Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, I won't uh, dance for you this morning. I did, I did say to Julia yesterday, like, we mustn't go too hard in the worship um, because we're sick and we need to make sure we can preach. And I've, I've gone and done it. Um, so, but what can you do? I mean, it's just amazing to worship together every Sunday. I, I just, I love it. And um, I love doing that in community with people. It's special to do that on your own, in your room, wherever you enjoy doing that, walking in a field, if you can find one, or a park. Um, but doing it, doing it together in community is just so beautiful. And I was reminded of um, a phrase I heard a while ago. I think I've said it before once, but I, it's worth saying again, that the one thing that separates a church, this church, any local church, uh, from uh, next door social club is the presence of God. Like That's the thing that distinguishes us from any other social club is the presence of God. And to, to experience that together in community is, is just beautiful. So... Um, that was sweet for me. Hope it was sweet for you. So it's a real privilege to be um, preaching again. I feel like I haven't done it for a long time. Um, over the summer, we had an amazing summer series where we gave uh, opportunities to people who don't normally get a chance to preach um, regularly and the different series that we, we have a chance to preach. And it was amazing. They did a, a brilliant job. But I have missed it. Um, I really have missed standing up and speaking. I, I love to to teach. I feel like I was about to say I love speaking in public and that makes you sound a little bit vain, but I, <laughs> I, really, I really do love to, to preach and to teach God, God's word. So this morning I have the privilege of doing that. Okay, I'm rambling. Um, this morning is a little bit different from normal. I know we have a bunch of guests with us this morning um, who've been uh, coming down to London from all over parts of the UK and France uh, for a special event that's happened this weekend. You're so welcome um, as part of that, that crew that's here. And others who've, who have joined are joining for the first time. Just to let you know, this is a slightly unusual Sunday. It's more of a family uh, moment where we are going to be uh, asking the question, of what is God doing in this community? Uh, what do we believe God wants to do in, in this community? Is there a sense of, of vision that is there for V61 Balaam? And um, that is an unusual Sunday. We usually open up uh, the Bible and preach from a text or have a series going, so this is a little bit different. But if you are here for the first time while visiting, it's also a great moment for you to be here because you get to look in uh, on what it means to be part of, of this family, what we value, uh, what we care about, um, and the God that we worship. So you're welcome. It's a really good time um, for you to be here, a good Sunday for you to be here. So I'm going to speak for about 10 or so minutes, um, and then Julia is going to come up and, and speak for about 10 to 12 minutes as well. I'll give, <clears throat> we'll give her 12 minutes. Um, but here, here's what this Sunday uh, is about. We want to invite V61 Balaam into the adventure of God to take up our place in his purposes and pursue his presence. We want to invite B61 Balaam into the adventure of God, to take up our place in his purposes and pursue his presence. That's what we have on our hearts, to invite this community into that journey. 
So let's read from Ephesians 4. Um, I'm just going to read a few verses. Chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through to 16. So if you have a Bible, you, you're welcome to take that out. It will be on the, uh, the screen as well. Verse 11, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. What an amazing scripture uh, and text. And I, excuse me, I want to unpack that a little bit later. But I first want to say, in terms of a vision, I always have a problem with this, I must be honest. Um, If you've been a leader for about five minutes in any context, you will know the pressure that you feel when it comes to having to communicate or articulate a vision. People ask you, what's your vision for this? What's your vision for that? Pressure uh, builds up. There are entire libraries of books written about vision casting and visionary leadership. I've read some of them. I'm sure you've read some of them. Some of them are really good and really, really um, helpful. I remember reading one book on uh, vision casting, and this person said, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. It's pretty good. I think that's helpful. It's something that pulls you towards an ideal or a goal, investing your emotions and your drive and your motivation to achieve the things necessary to get to that point, creating a compelling picture that we all pull towards. That's really great. It's helpful. I think vision is necessary. While it's necessary, helps to have a sense of where we're going collectively. At the same time, I also think the constant need to present a new church vision can become a distraction. It can become a distraction. Because the Christian life is a life in the spirit. It involves risk. It involves mystery. It involves trust. It involves discernment. And so in the church specifically, I'm not talking about corporate spaces, I'm not talking about businesses who need vision statements and plans, I I understand all of that, but I think in the church specifically, we don't need a new vision, mission, or purpose. We already have one. We already have one. The one given to us by Jesus 2,000 years ago is enough. It's sufficient. Every generation just needs to re-get on board with that vision that he has given us. Yes, this needs nuanced expression, uh, depending on context that you find yourself in, the people that you're surrounded by, the needs that you're confronted by. Yes, it needs particularized expression. But the core of the mission remains the same. 
We have ancient roots that go back 2,000 years into a mission that Jesus launched himself in his ministry. We don't need a new vision, mission, or plan. We already have one that's really, really good. So what does that involve? What does it mean to participate in this ancient uh, vision and mission? Well, it starts with proclaiming the king and his kingdom. There is a king. There is a kingdom. When we talk about kingdom, often we, we find it a bit removed from our understanding or detached. I know that for me, that's often been the case. But really what it means is just God's rule and God's reign. Wherever anyone comes under God's rule and his reign, there the kingdom of God is. There it is, being, uh, there it is present. There it is being extended. And one crucial thing that I felt as I've been re reflecting on this in my own experience is that it's so easy to confuse kingdom fruit with the king himself. So we want something of the kingdom in our lives, whether it's personal growth or social justice initiative or it's meaningful relationships or something else that's happening around us that we know God is working in and he's doing. But we can become so fixated on the fruit of the kingdom that we miss out on what the root is that led to that fruit. We cannot confuse kingdom fruit with the king. And we see that in our culture all around us. It is so easy to want the kingdom without the king. We want the fruit of Christianity and what it brings um, into our context and our societies, but we don't want anything to do with the king that led to what it is that we see around us. We want the kingdom without the king. But what we need to be proclaiming as part of this ancient mission is that there is a king and he does have a kingdom and we follow his leadership into all that he is doing in our church, in our society, our family, our culture around us. Secondly, we need to follow Jesus as Lord. That's what it means to be part of this ancient mission and vision that Jesus launched. What did Jesus do uh, when he was on the earth? The first two words that we hear him speak to others was, follow me. Follow me. Jesus says that to be his disciple is to follow him, to choose obedience to him. We follow him. This is another thing I've been wrestling with is because it's so easy in our generation to value significance, even in Christian things, to want to be significant. It feels like every other prophetic word I hear is that someone is going to do something significant for God. And while I, I value that and I think everything that we do has significance attached to it for God's purposes, the reality is that some of us might not be a Billy Graham. Some of us might not do what we perceive to be the significant thing with crowds around us and people cheering us on. But is that the way the scriptures define significance? Significance is, is Christ-shaped. It's Christ-formed. And what did Jesus prove to us? Well, he gave up his power. He gave up his significance. He set his glory aside, Philippians chapter 2 told us. And he took on flesh. He took on the form of a servant, becoming obedient even to the point of death. The king of glory steps off his throne and is willing to take on flesh the limitations involved with flesh that he did not have before he took on flesh, and even being willing to be subject to humiliation and excruciating death on a cross, hung naked before those whom he had created. That's the shape that we have for significance. It's down, down, down first before it's up. The shape that we have is a down, down, and then up, up shape. We follow Jesus, Lord, which means we choose obedience over significance. And that's not a hard word. I, 
I think sometimes we feel like obedience is, is a word that we can use as a bit of a hammer over people. Just be obedient. It's, it's not. It's a joy-filled obedience when we see who Jesus is and what he's done. We can't not want to follow him as our Lord. He is the one who sits on the throne of our heart and we choose obedience over significance. We don't need visions of stadiums in which we are the one preaching. It's not about us. It's not about um, even what it is we think we ought to be called to. There's joy in following in what we are called to. The specific part we are called to play in the body of Christ. There's joy in that. That is what the well done comes at the end for. It doesn't come because you were like Billy Graham. It comes because you were like Jesus and called what, and did what he called you to do. We follow Jesus as Lord. This is part of the ancient vision and mission that we are still doing today. Thirdly, we abide in Jesus. We abide in him. See, the counterintuitive principle of the gospel is abiding always results in fruit. We want to be the kinds of people who get going first um, throw ourselves into the project and then the next project and then the next project and we thrive in having calendars that we can boast in as being very full but the reality is that busyness is not the same as fruitfulness. They are two very, very different things. Sometimes we can have more fruit by being less busy. Yes. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yes. We don't like it but it's true. Sometimes our busyness um, blocks us from seeing God at work in our lives creates so much noise that we cannot hear the voice of God in our lives. I think noise is one of our biggest problems today. Not just constant music in our Air AirPods, um, not just constant podcasts, but the noise of our own thoughts, of our own activities and our projects because we are so dangerously busy. But the counterintuitive principle of the gospel is abiding always results in fruit. Abiding in him comes first. It's an act of trust. It's a small rebellion in our culture today to choose to abide first. We choose presence before progress. I would love that to be a sentence, to be a truth that we live um, as a church. We choose presence before progress. And it's not we choose presence over progress, as in the two are at war with each other. They're not, but the one has to precede the other. That is the way that Jesus prescribes for us. We present to his presence. We present to each other in this community. We abide in him. You know, the only mandate that we have that Jesus gives us in the New Testament is to be his disciple and to make disciples. That's it. That's the only mandate that we have. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. How well are we doing at that? I challenge myself with that question. How well am I doing at that? You know, when Viv and Steve asked me to, um, um, after 10 minutes is, is come and gone, um, I'm going to finish with, with this and a few thoughts in Ephesians 4. Um, when Viv and Steve asked me to, to lead the Balaam site end of last year, I, um, I was very unsure, to be honest. Um, I'd just been massively burned in ministry. I had a really bad experience, um, very let down, hurting, not healed, just kind of getting to terms with what it might be look like to, to recover from this experience. And now I'm being asked to lead a church um, in ministry. I, 
I'm also a slow decision maker, um, so the big decisions take a while. Um, if you want me to make a decision on something, you're probably going to hear me say, let, let me get back to you. Um, don't be offended. It's me taking your request seriously. So in early January this year, I, I set aside some time to pray and to ask God, are you in this? Because if you're not, I'm not interested in being in a ministry assignment that you're not in. I've been in ministry long enough to know there's, it's beautiful and it's an amazing call, but the romance is... is is left to a degree. It's, it's, it's something I know there's a reality to. So I wrote down all my anxieties. I wrote down, wrote down all of my worries on a page and just said, God, what, what are you saying? Here's what I'm worried about. This is what's getting in the way right now for me. And I felt God whisper to me, I'm calling you up for service. I've given you a word for the weary. And I said, God, I'm weary. I got, I, I'm I'm the weary one. I I don't have I don't have a word for I'm the one who's weary. And I felt God say to me, It's okay, it's a word first to you, and then it's a word through you. But I'm calling you up for service with a word for the weary. And as we've been reflecting and praying and seeking God on this, we've had such a strong sense that now is the time. God is calling each of us in this community up for service. And it's going to look different for each of us. It's time to take up our place in the church. It's time for the body to be the body. It feels like a moment where God is doing something significant and he's saying, will you join? Will you join in? It's not a time for delay. It's not a time for distraction. It's not a time for comparison. It's a time to step up for service. And if we just look at Ephesians 4, and I'll finish with this, the stakes are pretty high. The stakes are really high. We need each other to play our part in the body of Christ. We need each other. The results of each of us playing our part is the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. It's maturity. It's the measure of the full stature of Christ. That is what happens when each of us step up to play our part in the body, in the body of Christ. It doesn't have to be upfront ministry. It doesn't have to be verbal ministry. It doesn't have to be public. Whatever it is, however you have been graced with whatever gift God has given you, we need you to play your part in this church because as we do, we reach uh, these things. We grow up. We become everything that God has intended us to be. We become animated as a body. When one part is not playing its part, it's like that side of the body is limp. But when each of us are playing our parts and playing in position, what happens is the body is ready to move. We're animated and made effective for the service of the kingdom of God. We have one head. The rest is just body. There's only one head. Jesus, the rest is just body. And so that's some of what is on my heart uh, for, for this church. It was on our heart for this church. And I, I'm going to finish there. But I do want to just point you in one direction quickly, which is to say that there are so many ways to serve in this church and through this church. There are so many avenues created to play your part and to use your gifts. And we don't want something from you, although obviously help is always appreciated, we genuinely want this for the body of Christ. We want it for you. 
So we are going to have a table at the back where you can ask questions about the different service teams that we have and life groups, and there is an opportunity um, to ask those questions and even possibly to sign up for something today that you feel God is giving his yes to over your life. Oh, I don't really know if I need to say anything more. <laughs> oh, I've been weeping there on the sidelines. Um, you know, when you've seen somebody live something, I've seen Michael live this thing. We were broken. And Jesus came and he reminded us of who he is. And who we are in him. And that changed everything. I didn't want to be doing this either, in all honesty. <laughs> um, some of you will know my background's in fashion. And uh, we were living a happy life in Cape Town. And I was running a business, which I loved. And um, things were good. And then suddenly, God started to very clearly shut the door on certain things. And at first I didn't understand what was happening. I was quite confused. Um, and then COVID started to hit and our wedding got cancelled. We were two weeks away from being married. We couldn't get married. It was stuck on my parents' farm, sugarcane farm, in the north coast of KZN in South Africa. It ended up being seven months. I thought it was going to be two weeks. And I had I'd shut my business and... Um, everything Mike was going through, what he mentioned, started to kick up and we didn't know what was happening and we couldn't get married and we couldn't do all the things we wanted to do and I, I just couldn't understand what was happening and I started saying to the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? And he said to me, sit at the table with me. And after two days of sitting with the Lord <laughs> in the morning, in the lounge, just there with my Bible, waiting on him, I started getting itchy. You know that feeling when you're like, I've got to do something I cannot sit for any longer. And he said to me, you're obsessed with productivity. Sit down with me. I just want to be with you. And for six weeks that happened. Every time I tried to do something, the Lord said, sit down, baby girl. I want to be with you. You see, what we're talking about this morning is not a call to striving. And it's not a call to necessarily works or more effort. But it's the thing that flows from sitting with the Lord. When you've been with Jesus long enough, you become like him. The word says that we become what we behold. The thing that we look at, we start to look like. This is the invitation this morning, friends. It's not for more striving. This, work is, this world is obsessed with striving. It's obsessed with productivity. It's not the call this morning. It's actually to be with the one, the only one that matters. And from that place of truly knowing Jesus, we become like Jesus and we are naturally inspired to do the things that he does.
when we've been praying and seeking the Lord for this time and for this year ahead and just what is the focus he wants to bring in our community? It was very clear for Mike and I. It was Ephesians 4, the body being the body, which he just spoke about. We need the hands to be the hands, the feet to be the feet, the eyes to be the eyes. We don't need to be different. We need to be different things. We don't need to be the same. And then the second one was Psalm 24, which I'm just going to read verses Sorry, Psalm 27, verses 4 to 6. We both had this cold. I'm sorry about that. Verse 4 says, One thing I asked of the Lord. This is David writing. One thing I asked of the Lord, and that one thing will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, friends, it starts here. Mike spoke about there's only one head, everything else is body. You see, we are all body. We are all body. But there is one head, his name is Jesus. And the body is designed to respond to the head. Our mind and our brain makes decisions. It's a function. Everything else follows. The same goes for the body of Christ. We follow one king, his name is Jesus. David understood this. He understood that he could give his life to one pursuit. His life was worthy of one single devotion. It's time for the distractions to go. He set his life to seek after God, to live in the house of the Lord. That word live, in Hebrew, actually can be translated as to dwell, to remain, to abide, or even to marry. To marry yourself to the house of God. And we don't have to go anymore to a physical place, to the temple like the Israelites had to go. When Jesus came on the earth, he tore the dividing wall. He separated Anything that stood in between us and him. And he invited us right into the most holy place. And he says, I will now tabernacle with you. I will now take up my place in your hearts. I will dwell among you through my spirit. That same spirit that Jesus mentioned that rose God back up from the dead is the same spirit that is with us here this morning. We don't have to marry ourselves or to dwell in a physical place like David did. But the call is still the same. Will we give our full attention? Will we tr are we truly that caught up in God that we are willing to give it all away? The amazing thing is that the thing that David understood about dwelling in the house of God was that it, it would be the place that he would behold the beauty of the Lord. I think sometimes we can think about these things, about giving our obedience or giving our attention to the Lord as this sort of drab, exhausting thing. And some seasons it is tough and it's mundane and you push through. But the Lord is the most beautiful thing you will ever behold. When you truly see Jesus... When you understand who he is and what he has done, nothing ever comes close. You cannot unsee him. I feel like whenever I speak, I tell you about this, but it's my story and you need to know that I was locked up in fear. 
I, lit I was a terrified person. I was a terrified child, gripped by fear, OCD thinking. And then I started to cry out to the Lord and I discovered that he was beautiful. And I couldn't unsee what I had seen and he started to transform my mind, my heart, my life. I wouldn't be in this country, I wouldn't be standing at this pulpit, <laughs> I wouldn't be in this marriage, I would, not be, I would not be here if Jesus Christ was not who he said he was and reached out to me in the darkness and pulled me into the light. My life is a testimony of this thing and because of what I have seen, I cannot unsee. And the same is on offer for all of us today. I know for many of you, this is true. You have seen the beauty of the Lord. And we can't look away. And so we want to be a people, friends, in this congregation, in this community, who set our hearts to seek one thing. The presence of Jesus. We want to be a people of his presence. You hear us say it all the time. And we believe from that place, as we dwell with him, as we remain in him, as we abide with him, as we linger a little bit longer, so we become like him. And so we are naturally, beautifully drawn to do the things that he does, to play our part in the body of Christ. Yeah, so similarly to Mike, we were invited to consider leading this site. And I'd been wrestling with London. <laughs> I, um, we'd been here for a year, and the whole year had just been locked down. It was dreadful. And we'd arrived in winter. Everybody said to me, if you're going to move to the Northern Hemisphere, never move in winter. Well, we moved at the height of winter and the height of the lockdown, and we couldn't leave the house. And it was desperate and awful, and I was so sad. And, um, and then it just started to get a little bit better. And then Viv and Steve asked us to lead this. And I thought, sweet Jesus, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> um, because I had set my sights on other things. Um, and I love South Africa. I love our home. And, and I just, yeah, I just thought, I don't know if I can do this. And I was, I was praying and I was saying, God, you've got to change my heart because I if I'm going to do this, we've got to do it truthfully. We've got to do it honestly. We've got to love the place we're a part of. And I felt the Lord one day so clearly say to me, Julia, I love London. And it caught me by surprise. Of course, I knew it at a head level. But you know when you realize that you've been totally out of line with his heart for something and I'm carrying along in my merry little life and suddenly he's like, I love the city. Wake up. I love the city. Do you want to love this city like I love this city? <laughs> and to be honest, that felt like a real risk for me to say yes, because I knew it would come with a cost. The cost is real friends to following the Lord. But the reward is incomparable. It's like the sweetest honey. Because you start to flow in line with what he wants. And as you do that, oh, watch, watch the beauty come. And so he's been dealing with my heart, and, and over this time, I just felt him wooing me, saying, Do you, will you come with me to the city that I love? I want to show you a different side. 
And let me tell you, the minute we got back in January this year from South Africa, and we had decided to say yes, I have had a totally different experience of this place. Nothing really changed, but everything changed in here. And as I gave my yes, the Lord just came with, it felt like all of heaven, just to go, I'm behind you. I'm behind you. You are not alone. So much joy, so much freedom, so many friends out of the woodworks just coming towards us. Like, we want to be your friends. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. But this is God at work. It's just a small example. So I'm going to just sort of tie this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Um, this might have felt like a bit of a wonky morning if you're new um, to our community or if you're pursuing or questioning the claims of Christ. This might feel a bit strange, but we just want you to know you're so welcome. Um, and we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he changed our lives very, very, very practically, very realistically. And he's here to change yours. Um, if you're part of our community, this morning is an invitation. Like to run into the things that God has for us in Balaam. What would it be like to be a people who first, before anything else, set our hearts to seek him? What would it be like if we really became a people of his presence? What would it be like, friends? Everything changes. What he does first on the inside, he begins to flow out into the streets, into our businesses, into our relationships, into the hospitals, into our marriages. This is our God. But we know that the personal renewal comes first and then it leads to the corporate. And so this morning, what I want to invite you to as we worship is, where do you need to return what part of your heart is God calling to return to him in undivided devotion this morning? What distractions need to fall away? So as we maybe stand up and we just have a moment to respond in worship, I want to invite you to just ask the Lord, what is your one thing truly? What is the one thing the sole purpose of your life right now, what is the one thing you are pursuing? Because we all worship something. You might think you don't. Everybody worships something. And if, it's, if you need to return, if you need to just get your heart back before the Lord and, and like David to say, Lord, one thing will I seek. One thing I'm gonna give my life to is to dwell, to remain, to abide in your presence. If that is you this morning, there's so much freedom. There's so much grace. Just like me, I had to get my achy heart back before the Lord. And he did it in me, he can do it in you. So there's an invitation now just before the Lord as we begin to worship. The second one is if you've been hearing us call to begin to play our part in the body, would you just ask the Lord what that is? What are you? Are you a finger? Are you an ear? Are you a hand or a foot? What is God calling you to? It might be specifically to join a team within this church, but it also might be much beyond that. What is the purpose? What is the thing he has destined you for? As Mike said, there's no new vision, no new mission, no new call. This thing is ancient, but it's going on and on and on and on.
I'm just going to pray for us as we land and, and we're going to sing one song and then really we're going to just create a space. We love to respond in this church. We love to create room just for if you are needing prayer, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. If some of what we've said this morning is stirring in you and you just need to work that through with God, come up for prayer. Um, if you are sick in body, if you've got something going on, we want to pray for healing. Whatever it is, um, come and find us. There's going to be a team of people here ready to pray. But just for this first song, take a moment just to ask the Lord, what is your one thing? The Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that when you come, you capture our full attention. That you're worthy, God of our full affection and attention. And so this morning, Lord, we return our gaze to the only one who is worthy, the only head, King Jesus. And we hear the whisper, follow me. And Lord, we wanna give you our yes this morning, whatever that looks like for you. So would you come and speak to us as we worship you, Jesus? Would you just set our hearts on fire for the thing that you're calling us into this morning. Just bless this community. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of it. And lastly, I just want to say it is my joy to stand with you this morning. I'm so delighted to be a part of this church. And God is definitely on the move in our midst, and it's amazing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.